Good morning. Our scripture today will be in James chapter 2. James chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. It says, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal, the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today with grateful hearts. Lord, you have poured out your love and mercy on us and we are so undeserving. Lord, but you sent your son to die for our sins, that if we would repent and trust in you, we could be saved, adopted into your family, and given a hope in heaven that will never fade away. Lord, let us not grow complacent with those truths, but let those truths burn into our hearts and create a passion and a longing and a zeal for you and for your kingdom and for the lost. Lord, I pray that you'd give us a heart for you, and I pray that you would give us the heart for people, Lord, to love people without partiality, Lord, to, uh, to love our neighbors as ourselves. Lord, go with us this day as we hear your word. I pray that your spirit would apply these truths to our hearts, that we might better serve you and love you and worship you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Good morning. This morning's passage, by the way, uh, Matt and I will be tag-teaming through John's epistle. I mean, James. I'm in the right place in James' epistle. This week and next week will be my week. The passage we have before us today is not complicated to understand. Do not show favoritism. Do not show prejudice. So I want, before we get into this passage is to ask yourself, are, do you show favoritism? Do you show prejudice? And I imagine that the answer to that, most people would say that no, they are not prejudiced, that no, they do not show favoritism. So one wonders why James would even have to include this into his epistle since none of us are guilty of this sin. And James says it is a sin to show favoritism, to show prejudice. And the reason that we think that we don't show favoritism or prejudice is because we all have a problem, and that is we are terrible judges. We are terrible judges of our own hearts and motivations. 
we are worldly and we are selfish and we are tribal. And this is not easily extinguished without a lot of self-reflection. We, just for example, we're terrible at measuring risk. Uh, we think it is dangerous to fly in planes but have no problem driving on 431. Anyone who thinks that has not good logic or perhaps has not paid good attention on 431. People think it's too risky to invest in the stock market but have no problem buying a lottery ticket. This is how good we are at assessing risk and using judgment. Our poor judgment can sometimes cause problems when we apply it to others, when we deem them as dangerous because they are different. And we do this automatically. We judge automatically. We become prejudiced people. It's easier said than done to get rid of it because it is our natural inclination because our natural inclination is self-preservation. But the gospel inclination is not. It is self-sacrifice. And so we have to flip that in order not to be a people consumed by prejudice. This morning, James talks about the sin of despising the poor. The sin of despising the poor. In the first century, the class system was not so much made up of race as it was the have and the have-nots. You were either poor or you were rich, and you were sort of put into one of those two categories as where your social standing might be. Throughout the Middle Ages, it might have been the nobility and the peasants. Or in Rome, also, it could have been those who are free and those who are slaves. We always sort of have a system, a tiered system. <laughs> I have that effect on my own children. We have a tiered system where some are regarded as more valuable than others. And what James is worried about as the church is that we might show favoritism to those who have money and those who don't would take a lesser place. And just for application in our country, I do think that we have a problem with despising the poor. We, we don't blame them so much for being poor, but we, the state of being poor is not something that we despise them for, but how they got poor is how we begin to judge people and justify being stingy. So I want to offer for you a philosophical question this morning that has theological implications. That's a big word, but just follow with me. Which is worse? The sin of feeling entitled or the sin of being stingy? What's worse? Feeling entitled to something or being stingy? So here's the scenario. A poor person comes and asks you for something. And maybe they do it in such a way that they feel like they're entitled for it. They, I'll give you an example. This happened to us, and you don't know who they are. But uh, we're in here, and we give benevolence every week uh, to people when we haven't run out of money. And we're out of funds right now. So maybe after the service, we could have a shakedown of the old school way where Alan will hold the bucket on the way out, and you will give towards benevolence because we give money to people, $25 towards groceries, and we don't care why they need them. We just care that they need groceries. So this person comes in who's a regular, probably been coming in for three or four years, and they come in and they say, I've come to see if it's time for me to get my food. It's <laughs> an interesting way of put it. And uh, Matt ever so graciously said, I am sorry we are out of funds, but we have a list where you can call because you don't need to waste your gas driving all over town to see if someone has something to help you or not. Here you go. 
And then the person said, well, do you at least have coffee? And Matt said, we did not make coffee this morning. That's my fault. Wow. And she looked and said, seriously? And then left without a food, without a food, and without coffee. We utterly failed. So this is the sort of attitude that really makes some people mad towards the poor. How dare they? This is what, what, what in the world? We don't owe people food every so many months. We don't owe them coffee. And that makes us want to not give. And so we sort of begin to flatten that out. And all the poor would, you know, if they would just work harder and do better, then we wouldn't have to give to them what is mine. And so I ask this question, what is worse, the feeling of entitlement or being stingy? And it's a trick question because they're the same sin. If you think that what you have is yours and that you are not obligated to give it away, that is the sin of entitlement because it doesn't belong to you or to me. It belongs to God. This helps us think through what James is teaching today. He's not talking about stinginess, really. He's talking about judging whether or not someone has something which they can repay you with. So if the poor person comes in, you see that you're going to have to give and you're not going to receive. And James is worried that we might let that attitude override our hospitality towards the poor. The sin of entitlement is for the rich and for the poor. And when someone says that those people feel entitled, then that person has revealed themselves as entitled themselves. I need to... Confess that I tricked you with that scenario. Every single thing that you and I have is given to us by God. God gave you the talent and the gifts to get the job that you have. He gave you the strength to do it. Maybe you had to go through years of schooling to be where you were. Maybe you had to uh, go to college for several years. You could not have done that without the Lord. You could not have landed the job that you have without the Lord. You could not own the business that you own without the grace of God. He gives you the breath that you breathe. He gave you the body that you have. He gave you the mind that you use. And so when we feel that the things we gain from our employment are our, ours to do with as we please, we do not understand the demand of the gospel on our life. There was a rich young ruler came to Jesus and he said, uh, Lord, what must I do to be saved? And, and how did Jesus answer him? He said, you know, keep the commandments, honor your father and mother, do those things. And the rich young ruler said, I've done those things since I was a young man. Jesus said, good. Now go home and give away all your wealth and come follow me and you'll have treasure in heaven. And the young man went away sad for his possessions were great. Why would Jesus say you have to give away all of your wealth to come follow me? Does he say that to everyone? Yes, actually he does. Nothing you have is yours. You have to be willing to give it all up in a moment for the sake of Jesus. It's not yours, it's not mine. So we are all poor in the sense that we are absolutely dependent on God to take care of our every need, every moment of every day. And the reason that he provides for us so abundantly is because he loves us and he wants us to give it away. Whether you give away your money or not, it is not yours, it is his, it belongs to the Lord. To withhold help is the same as being ungrateful for receiving it. What do you have that was not given to you? 
So when the poor man, poor man, poor woman comes in, we must know that they are beloved of God, they are made in the image of God, and there's no distinction between poor and rich in the face of God. We do not decide the help that they deserve. It is not our job to decide what someone deserves. What do we deserve? What do you deserve? If God gave you exactly what you deserve right now at this very moment, what would you receive from the Lord? Outside of Christ, the Bible teaches us that what we deserve is hell and eternal punishment and separation from God. That's what we deserve. And so every single thing we have beyond that is grace. The fact that we are not separated from God now in hell is because of God's grace. And so that should help us to be generous towards others. Here's how our Lord said it. Listen to this and let this get in your heart and really work around. See if this is where you live and how far you have to go. Give to everyone who asks you. And from someone who takes your things, do not ask for them back. Just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do what is good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to be repaid in full. But you love your enemies. Do what is good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High. For He is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. Be merciful. Just as your father is also merciful. You should notice that James begin, ends this little passage by saying mercy triumphs over judgment. He is going on what Jesus taught in his sermon on the mount. Give to everyone who asks from you. We do not have the luxury to refuse. These are the words of the man who actually owns everything you have. And he says, give it to those who ask and long generously without expectation of return. There is much discussion that should be had about how it is best to give, best to help those who are in need. But not helping is not on the table. Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors God. Proverbs fourteen thirty one. So we don't have the option to be prejudiced or show favorites towards those who are poor or rich. We are not to distinguish for the Lord is the maker of them both. And they both are valuable in His sight. What we have in this world means little if we do not invest it for the next world. And the Lord promises us that if we do that, our reward will be great. Because we are not having the expectation of worldly return, but of heavenly reward. And all of our investments in heaven do very well. <laughs> there is no thief that can break in and steal. There's no rust that can corrupt. We are called to be a generous, giving people. 
To show favoritism and prejudice toward the poor is to break the royal law. That's what James calls it here, the royal law of love your neighbor as yourself. It is the breach to break this. is a breach of the greatest commandment upon which all other commandments hang. To not love our neighbor as ourselves. If we treat people less because of their situation or their station, we become guilty of breaking every law in the sense that we are lawbreakers. It doesn't matter which one you break. You have become a lawbreaker and condemned in the sight of God. So this is serious business because when James talks about it here, he puts it on par with adultery and murder. Despising the poor, showing favoritism, is as bad as murder. It is as bad as adultery. So here are some of the excuses that I hear that keep people from being as generous and actually make the poor feel dishonored, feel ashamed. One of the things I hear is that those who are poor, since we lived in the land of opportunity, that they should work harder. That is false. That is false in the sense that it is a bad narrative. Many poor people today work very long hours with not a lot of compensation. Single moms in this town work all day, some two jobs, and have to worry about getting their kids back and forth to school. And you may know that you live a life of privilege whenever you have a cold delay and you're excited about it. Because when they have a cold delay, they don't know how they're going to get to work and get their children to school at 10 because they don't have anybody to help them. These are things that the poor have to consider. So when you think they must work harder, you don't know anything about being poor. Poor people feel entitled is another thing that people will say, well, so what? So do you. So what? It is not up to us to judge how they receive God's grace through us. So if someone takes the gift which I give them and use it poorly, how is that any different when God gives His grace to me and I steward it poorly? How is it any different? How often... Have you felt entitled to the grace of God which is showered on you every day and not thankful? Now, I'm not just trying to browbeat us, but we, we float through life and the smallest setback upsets us because we think everything should always be fine for us when we forget that the baseline of what our just desserts are is separation from God. How someone responds to graciousness is of no concern to us in the sense that it affects how gracious we are. There were ten lepers who came to Jesus and he healed them all. And one came back and thanked him. Did Jesus ever voice regret for healing the other nine? He was glad one came back and said, thank you. And he told the disciples, here's the one, where are the other nine? This is just an example of what happens to Jesus every single day. And that is what he says in Luke chapter 6. That God is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. And his long-suffering grace leads many to repentance and love. So it is not good to say they should work harder. There's lazy folk out here. There's lazy folk in here. People feel entitled. There's entitled people out there. There's entitled people in here. And as I said, anyone who sneers about the 
feeling of entitlement which the poor have outs themselves as feeling entitled themselves. One of the great attitudes that I wish the church could break in our culture is the idea that what you have is yours. It's not yours. It's the Lord's. It's not the government's either. It's the Lord's. Everything you have belongs to him. How does he command you to steward it? And he says, if they ask, give. If they ask for your cloak, give them your cloak and your shirt. If they ask you to go one mile, walk with them two miles. This is the command of our Lord. And we don't do it begrudgingly, we do it happily because we get to show some measure of the grace which we have been shown. We are not called to show favorites. There are those who exploit others, both rich and poor. And the Lord will judge that. Not us. He said, actually, you have more problem out of the rich than you do the poor anyway. It's the rich who are grabbing you and taking you into court. It's the rich who have the places of power. It's the rich who make the rules that make life easier for them and harder for the others. And yet, what do we do in our flesh? We try to curry favor with those who have that we might get something from them and despise those who have not because we feel better than them. This is what we do in a natural way. And you have no idea what your impact will be if you can get rid of prejudice and favoritism and serve people with all of your heart and make no distinction between rich or poor. I want to tell you a quick few stories because it's, it's really not fair that y'all didn't get to know Pop, Amy's grandfather. It's a shame you won't get to be at the memorial service. But as I was studying for this, I thought of him. In about 1964, he took a trip to India and he met a man there by the name of M.A. Thomas. M.A. Thomas was living in a concrete block house that only had three walls and a tin roof. And he was taking care of his family and three orphans which he had found on the street. God had called him to go to Kota, which was a place with militant Hinduism and almost no Christians, and he stood on the street, M.A. Thomas, and handed out tracts every day. They beat him and cracked his skull one time. When he got well, he went back and handed out tracts again. Pop thought, this would be a good person to partner with. So Lanier Baptist Church and Pop began a relationship, and he went there every year. They gave them funds. They, they helped him where he could feed his family. They started an orphanage. They started a seminary. They started planting churches. Today, 50-something years later, they've planted thousands of churches. This is not preacher talk. This is true. They've planted thousands of churches. They've graduated thousands from their seminary, and they're taking care of 5,000 orphan children today. They've suffered persecution galore. Dr. Thomas passed away. His son Samuel took over, spent almost six months in prison because the people didn't like that they were flipping the caste system. They were taking these orphans, the untouchables off the street. They were giving them education. They were giving them food. They were coming out being doctors and lawyers and pastors. And they said that he was blaspheming their gods. And he stayed in prison for six months they have, I've, I've told this story before, but you know the old school things you have on the back of the wall at the church tells how many was there, how much was given that week? They have one of those 
in the church that I went to in Jaipur, except it has the names of the martyrs of the church that died in that church for their testimony. That's just one of the ministries because Pop went there without prejudice and favoritism. He wanted the land of India to know the gospel. And now tens of thousands of people have come to faith because of that. And that's not an exaggeration. There's a lot of people in India. <laughs> he started a ministry in Angola prison, which is one of the most maximum security prisons in the United States of America. They started a little seminary in there. They started some church services. They graduated men there who have gone on to be pastors both inside of Angola, been transferred inside the prison system so that they could go be chaplains in other places because they had their seminary degree. They built for Pop. The, the coffin he will be buried in is built by the Angolan prisoners because he's one of them. Though he was free, his heart was with them. These are the people he sought to minister to. This is how we are to be. This is the least of these, my brothers. That's the sort of people we can reach. He started something called the Seamen's Center in Baton Rouge. There was a huge port there. And so all these sailors would get off from all over the world. And Pop said, why don't we just set up a place where they can relax and make free phone calls back home? And we'll have somebody there, we'll give out tracts, talk to them about the Lord. Thousands of sailors from all over the world have come through this place to hear the gospel. It's amazing. It's amazing. So when we see someone who is not like us, rich or poor, slave or free, male or female, black or white, it makes no difference. These are people made in the image of of God, who we are debtors to. See, not only do we not get to keep what we have, we owe others what we have. Paul said this, I am a debtor both to the Greek and to the barbarian. Well, what did Paul ever do to incur debt to those Greeks or those barbarians, those people who weren't even Greeks? He got saved. He became a Christian. And the grace of God filled his heart and the Lord had told him to take this gospel to them. That was his call. Do not show favoritism or prejudice. So search your heart this morning. Do you have a prejudicial attitude towards the poor in our town? Do you judge those who are a different color than yourself as poor? Do you easily see problems in communities outside your own or cannot see the problems inside your own community? Do you have a reason that everybody else is doing worse than you because you're doing what is right and they're being unwise and foolish? These are the sorts of issues that keep us from being generous. Now what I am saying to you is nothing more than what Jesus says. Give to everyone who asks you. I'm not being political. It has nothing to do with politics. And I could care less about that. I'm talking to you about King Jesus. Who says give to everyone who asks of you. Go through and try to find a place where Jesus says be stingy. Never. Never. 
And those things which you have that we so desperately cling to, they're dust in the wind, y'all. That's what it says in Lamentations, not only the Kansas song, but also in, did I say Lamentations? I meant to say Ecclesiastes, whatever. One of those Old Testament books. Ecclesiastes says it's all dust in the wind, a grasping at the wind. It's nothing. We try to hold on to it. It's not ours. So lay up your treasures in heaven. When someone comes in who doesn't look like you or talk like you or you think, wow, this person is whatever, remember, they're made in the image of God and my posture to them is not self-preservation but self-sacrifice. We have to be willing to give away everything in any moment for the Lord, always. Maybe the Lord will call you overseas. You're going to have to sell everything to go. You can't keep it. Maybe you'll be in a weird situation where you have to give testimony. And if you don't, if you do, they'll let you go. And if you don't, you die. Well, be ready to die. Give up your own life, Jesus says. It's not your stuff. You can't claim it. You can't hold it. Every single thing that you have is a tool for ministry, whether it's to your family, to others. Of course, you've got to take care of your family. Jesus said if you don't take care of your family, you're worse than those who are outside the faith. So take care of your family. Take care of others. But we've got plenty to share. Our cup runneth over. Do not show favoritism. So as I said, this is not hard to understand what James is saying. It's not hard to understand do not be prejudiced. It's not hard to understand do not show favoritism. But it is hard to actually not do it because we are proud. We would not have one Jesus had not given himself for us. Not one thing. The Lord God of heaven, the Father Almighty, gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. If he gives to us Jesus, we withhold nothing. Let's pray. Father, this morning I pray that you will help us to be a people who are about people, a people who are willing to give, a people who are willing to sacrifice for the well-being of others.